0: We saw signs that the Department of Justice is expanding its inquiry into January 6th. The New York Times reported that DOJ officials have issued about 40 subpoenas to aides of former President Trump. Investigators have also reportedly seized the phones of two top Trump advisors. Meanwhile, there are new developments in connection with the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago. DOJ and Trump's lawyers continue to go back and forth over the potential role of a special master. In a new filing on Monday, Trump's legal team fought to keep the classified materials seized at Mar-a-Lago off-limits to prosecutors until a special master has independently reviewed them. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider we look forward to having you as a part of the insider community so back to our regularly scheduled program where we thought we were going to be talking almost exclusively about this pitched battle over the documents at mar-a-lago and the special master and all this stuff that ordinary americans never have to worry about and some of this stuff is probably new to some folks We should unpack that a little bit, just to remind people where we are. Documents were seized pursuant to a search warrant authorized by a federal judge from Mar-a-Lago. They took all that stuff. Belatedly, I think fully two weeks after the search, the Trump folks filed a motion seeking the imposition of a special master, some neutral third party, to review documents for executive privilege, perhaps attorney-client privilege, and whatever else, and suggested there was other relief they wanted. And... They wanted that imposed forthwith, even though most of the search probably already done and the documents already gone through, and the filter team generally done with its duty of separating out sensitive material. The government responded, the DOJ responded pretty forcefully and asked for a limited stay with respect to what they could do with classified documents. And the Trump team responded. And there's also been an exchange of names for the purpose of being appointed. Special Master. Does that accurately summarize the the status of the case?
2: I think that's right, and I think that that explanation, that layout that you've just given, also helps to explain why my head is spinning a little bit because that's an awful lot. I mean, it's been like watching a ping pong game, in large part here.
0: Yeah, I think we can unpack it a little bit. So the judge, you know, issued a fairly broad injunction against DOJ with what they can do with the documents until a special master is appointed, and this is an interesting strategic decision and you and I were talking about it before we hit record, the government does not seek a full stay of everything, right? It doesn't say, right, hold your horses while we appeal, let's keep the status quo. The government made a strategic or tactical, depending on how you think about it, decision to stay in a limited way the following two things, right? They want to lift the injunction against further review and use for criminal investigative purposes of about 100 documents, bearing classification markings, right? So documents that say classified on them that were removed from Mar-a-Lago, totaling about 100 documents, they want to be able to continue to use and exploit those documents for purposes of continuing their criminal investigation. And then second, they want to avoid the obligation of disclosing those classified documents, about 100, to a special master for review. Now, with respect to the first thing that I think is the most important part, even though they seize thousands and thousands of documents, for the time being, they want the ability to exploit and use the classified documents. And part of the reason for that is, the judge, I think attempting to be Solomon-like, said, look, you seize all these documents, there's two things going on. One of the things can continue and one of the things cannot continue. The thing that can continue is the DNI, National Security Review, of whether or not these documents and the handling of these documents caused harm to national security or the national defense, that you can continue, guys. That part of the government can use these documents, exploit them in whatever way for the purpose of national security. But what you cannot do is the FBI and the Department of Justice cannot use those documents, exploit those documents, for purposes of pursuing a criminal inquiry. And the government says that, essentially, that's too clever by half Right, Joyce? What's the government say?
2: Yeah, I mean, the government makes an argument that is really, frankly, sort of embarrassing or should be embarrassing for the district judge. One of the things that she failed to do here, and I think that this is is really problematic, I suspect it plays pretty well with the 11th Circuit on appeal, is that the judge didn't seek insight on this issue from the government before she ruled. You know, how how does this all work? And she misses this fairly essential fact, which is that if you're conducting some form of a risk assessment inside of the intelligence community, you can't just send the CIA and some of the other alphabet agencies off on a mission inside of the domestic United States. That work has to be conducted more or less by the FBI. And so... By creating this situation where the FBI really can't do that work because they're afraid that the Trump folks and and the court even will down the road accuse them of violating her injunction of somehow having investigative personnel continuing to work on these documents, you set up a situation where they can't conduct the intelligence community review.
0: So they say a couple of things, right, further to what you just mentioned. One is they say, how can it be legitimate and okay for one part of the executive branch, to use the documents, but another part of the executive branch, in a related fashion, to not use the document. It's sort of internally inconsistent. I think that's part of what you were saying. And second, they say there's a fundamental misunderstanding of how this operates. It is not the case, as it might have been some time ago, that there's a solid, thick, you know, five-foot concrete wall between criminal law enforcement and criminal investigation on the one hand, and intelligence gathering and risk assessment on the other that it's an integrated process. That in fact, the FBI has an intelligence function and some of the same personnel that would be working to figure out the risk assessment for national security might be also working on the criminal investigation. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's an integrated process. And for purposes of figuring out what the national security damage is, to figure out who else got access to the information, what other information people have that bears on the handling of the documents, Sometimes that information can only be gotten through criminal compulsory process, like a grand jury subpoena or another search warrant. The intelligence community, like the CIA, does not have subpoena power. They have other things that they can do. And so it's an integrated, all forces of government, whole of government approach to doing the national security assessment. And because of the things that you mentioned, a worry about being accused of violating the order even though the judge says the national security assessment can continue, it has ceased.
2: And that's such an important sort of a detail to have, right? The, the DNI comes out and says, we can't continue under these conditions. And DOJ does something incredibly important in this memo. They're building the record on appeal because I think DOJ has accepted that it's very unlikely that they get favorable rulings from this judge. Maybe they get a a favorable ruling on the stay. Who knows? But ultimately, the larger decisions get decided in Atlanta on appeal. And because the appellate court Can't take evidence on its own. It simply relies upon the factual record, the evidentiary record that's created in the district court. DOJ took advantage of this opportunity to put a lot of factual information into the record to support its position. Because recall, none of this really came up in earlier proceedings. The judge, in essence, makes this decision without a record. DOJ has now supplemented that, and they'll be in a much better position in front of the 11th Circuit than they would otherwise be.
0: Do you want to address? Another question that people have, so long as this order is in place with respect to the classified documents, what hindrance does this place on the continuation of the government's investigation with respect to bringing a criminal charge? Some people, I think, incorrectly assume, well, then they can't do anything and everything having to do with the documents at Mar-a-Lago is paused. And that's not quite true, right? Right.
2: I think that's correct. At a minimum, they can continue with other avenues of investigation. For instance, they can look into this statement that Christina Bob filed with the government saying at the time the grand jury subpoena was issued in late May, she sends her certification back in early June saying that all classified material has been turned over. They can certainly continue with investigation about that. And one suspects that that will be a very fruitful part of the investigation. I guess, are you asking, could DOJ go ahead and indict this case tomorrow and use this evidence, even though the injunction is in place? Are you going that far?
0: No, no. I think they have to be very careful about it. They don't want to give ammunition to the court to engage in a further sanction.
2: Exactly, yes.
0: Or to, uh, I mean, I think they have a very good case with respect to an appeal, although it's a tough circuit, and they don't want to do anything to make it worse. I think they've actually been pretty moderate. I I know people are referring to this brief as searing, yeah, it's a strong brief, and it exposes the complete illogic of the opinion by the district court judge. But I I don't think they're firing on all cylinders. I think they're holding some back and some of their powder is remaining dry, perhaps for the appeal, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think that that's absolutely the case.
0: This was not all guns blazing by any means to me.
2: I thought that this was very polite and well-stated. DOJ indicates in this brief, that they are placing a very limited request for a stay in, in this motion. But they indicate that they have much broader concerns and disagreements with the court's order. I think we'll see the guns blaze when they get to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, and just people should—there's been a lot of focus on the special master, and I think it it puts up an impediment. You know, it shackles the government a little bit. It delays things somewhat. I think that'll all be resolved actually sooner than some people are predicting. And then everything continues at pace. You know, the heart of this motion, unless I'm missing something, tell me if I am, because it's certainly possible. The heart of this motion is about some procedure. It doesn't go to something that is going to prevent the prosecution if there's sufficient evidence of Trump and people around him for the mishandling of sensitive information, right? This is adjacent to the heart of the matter and all this sort of Breathless reporting about it, in some ways, tends to obscure that fact.
2: This is a delay game. That's really what's going on here. It's an effort to delay. It's an effort to stretch the criminal justice system out of shape, which is something that Trump has a history of doing. But ultimately, if the evidence is there, the evidence is there. This will not obscure it.
0: As to this issue of attorney-client privilege, two more things that I think are important for people to understand, to the extent you care about this in-the-weeds law stuff?
2: Oh, come on. Everybody does. I mean, literally, I have had people— I I had somebody in the grocery store this week who knows who I am ask me earlier this week, the woman, she's ringing up my groceries, and she wants to ask me questions about, well, what does the stay apply to? And I thought, this is really (laughs) seeped out into the public conscience.
0: Did you you tell her to tune into Cafe Insider?
2: I said, every Tuesday, Preet and me. And we had a, a conversation about it.
0: So there are a couple of kinds of privilege that are being talked about here, Right. Attorney-client privilege and executive privilege. Let's talk about attorney-client privilege for a moment. Attorney-client privilege relates to communications between a lawyer and a client, right?
2: That's correct.
0: That bears on legal advice, right? And it's stuff that can't be given to outsiders who are outside of the attorney-client privilege. And if it is, the attorney-client privilege is waived.
2: Can we underline, though, how how severe that is? I mean, literally, if there is a cleaning...
0: Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.